connecting to the AOC Podcast Network. Enjoy your stay. Well, good morning, James. Welcome to Le Cadeau Podcast. Um, really glad that you could uh, visit with me today. Uh, Le Cadeau is about, it means literally the gift, and it's the gift of, in this case, I talk about the gift of healing. Mm-hmm. But you can't really separate healing from culture mm. or from life. Uh, you know, what is healing? What we eat, who is our friends. Uh, so anyway... I'm just here to talk about healing and glad you said yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm happy to be here. I'm into healing. I know. I know you're into yoga. Mm-hmm. I don't do that regularly, but I want to. And I know that's healing, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. So I don't care what, I don't know, what you're into healing about besides yoga. Well, um, I have aches and pains and issues just like everybody <laughs> else. So. Who wouldn't want to be healed, right? Exactly. And uh, because of uh, getting older, you know, and uh, carrying with me whatever, childhood injuries and uh, um, a crumbling skeleton mm-hmm. and deteriorating connective tissue like most people. Yeah, we call that a VAS. Okay. As you progress. <laughs> Aging. Getting old. <laughs> And uh, I could always remember my uh, father who um, would occasionally make a sound when he would get up out of a chair. Yes. And he would say, uh, don't ever get old. And it was kind of a joke. But as you as you do grow older, you realize that there's something more to that thought. And, And I guess it speaks to your state of mind and your outlook and your attitude. Yeah. So, um. Being involved in the Lafayette uh, yoga community, and I say that because there are so many people in Lafayette that do practice yoga, but it also includes, when you do um, interact with those folks, it includes all sorts of healers. Exactly. So being exposed to those people and uh, taking advantage of their expertise and their training and their spirit, I've been able to come to realize that state of mind is a really important part. And I think one of the um, things that yoga and that state of mind kind of share is that part of um, getting into a state of mind that allows you to heal, I believe, is acceptance. And yoga teaches from the philosophies of the East and um, the Buddhist philosophy and a lot of the uh, yogic Ayurvedic traditions that to resist may cause you more trouble than to accept. So that might include, um, you know, when we have a flare-up of some kind or we have a, a setback of some kind physically or might be, you know, the way that just your emotional state or your psychological state. So I think that uh, on, a, on a real basic level, for me, acceptance of some of these conditions where I don't necessarily um, buy in to the notion that I will be suffering. 
I do accept that there will be those times when I might not be able to run up a flight of stairs or there may be those times that um, I might catch the flu or whatever everybody else goes through, right? Exactly. Like a diagnosis is not a life sentence. You know, a diagnosis tells you this is what might be happening. So you look at the diagnosis and then you decide how you're going to deal with it. It doesn't mean it. it does, it's not. It, it just lets us know how we can deal with what has come to us. That's how I see that. And you've had experience with that. I've had a few. I've had a few diagnoses in my life. So, so it's like. But then there are some people that say, "Oh, don't claim that or don't accept that." I'm like to myself, "Where is that coming from?" Like you know, if I break my arm, I will go to the hospital. Right. You know, if I'm bleeding. I will either go get stitches or call someone who knows how to treat to stop the bleeding. But I'm not going to just, like, not claim that the blood is dripping down my yes. or, or you know. So that would be sort of like denial of what is obvious. But some kind of way they think that's a good philosophy, and if it works for them, I'm not challenging. But acceptance, and I think this is where this is different for different people, they think if they accept that they have whatever they have, then the outcome is also part of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Well, hell no. Right. So an example would be if you get a cancer diagnosis. Well, yeah. So then I'm going to go do what I have to do with the doctor, and I'm going to do what I have to do aside from the doctor, and I'm going to look at eating, and I'm going to do yoga. But even the the directions from medical change, like when I had my first diagnosis in 89, massage therapists were taught not to massage people with cancer. What the hell, right? Mm. Because it could they could spread it around. Uh-huh. I, I don't know what the real thinking was. That would but make sense, were, I guess. There were counterindications. So then when I'd go to have a massage, I would scare the hell out of the massage therapist because they were like, are you over it or do you have it? And then, So we, we, we're looking at, at things and everything that, that comes to us, we have to decide what's going to be healing for us or not. So I could never convince a massage therapist that they should do this because at that time in those days, they they could not have. But this was back in the 80s, you yeah, said? Yeah, early 90s, late 80s. But it's not the same It's not the today. same. A lot of things are not the same. C'est pas comme d'habitude, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's that's real, real important. And I think that. You know, I grew up Catholic, so I kind of have to interpret things from a Catholic perspective. I don't think God is Catholic. <laughs> I think my grandmother would roll over in her <laughs> grave, but I think being she's not really in that grave, she gets what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So when we grew up, we were told, and some people understood it, that you just, this is God's will, so then what are you going to do with it? You know, it's his will, but he's with you here, okay? It's kind of like accept this because you can do something about it. I I think those two say the same. But if you don't come from a Catholic background, when I tell you that, it makes you sound like, my God wanted you to be sick. Right. No. Yeah, so there might be some punishment or something. It's bizarre, no. Mm -hmm. But he's with, does God make the hurricane come over here? No, hurricanes exist, right? right? So we gotta be accept and if they do, he's gonna pass us through the hard times. It's not about it's just about it's part of accepting. Right. So and if it if it makes you feel better not to talk about anybody's will or maybe that you manifested this, mm-hmm. 
What difference does it make if I manifest it? I don't want that shit. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea of uh, mm. of that you made something happen or um, this condition is a result of your behavior or your th- way of thinking. Yeah, I understand that. Do you remember when New Orleans got hit by Katrina and a lot of people in other parts of the country said that that city needed to be cleansed? Yeah. Oh, I wanted to hurt somebody, but who are you going to hurt? Yeah, they they were they were blaming New Orleans. Sure, <laughs> stop. Yeah, already. that's kind of a wrong selective. Uh, I don't know interpretation of what they believe. <laughs> it's not God like does or God wishes or placing upon what we think of God, placing upon God a lot of uh, human shortcomings like revenge and i guess i mean that's written somewhere that god is a vengeful god right but but new testament says we're supposed to love okay. so the whole I'll loving go with that. <laughs> let's go with the new so the whole loving and acceptance can get us through this okay because i had an injury and i'm not expected to walk again doesn't mean i won't walk again according to the stats and my age and whatever the severity but we can walk again sometimes, you know. So we don't take the limitations that medicine works around and say, I am limited like that. We just go from there. That's sort of like a baseline of what they think, and then I bring, and then you ask people to help you. So I have yoga is something that I do incorporate, not regularly. I'm hoping to do it more. And it lets you accept your body. Right, yeah. Because nobody told us to accept our bodies yeah. growing up anywhere. Yeah. So it lets you accept your body so that your your dwelling place is your body. That's the mm-hmm. the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, how could the Holy Spirit live in my temple but my temple is condemned? Right. Logically, so, it doesn't make sense. No, right. sabapa. It doesn't go together. So, yeah. yeah, you know when we do, um, when we do our yoga, and for people who really don't understand or might not know, there's so many um, interpretations of what yoga is for so many people. I think that the most common um, uh, viewpoint or notion about yoga is that it's a uh, it's a physical exercise, and it is. But it, it, as, as you get into it a little bit more, then you create what you want it to be. So you could walk into um, any yoga studio anywhere in the country, and, and most of them will have some basic common postures or movements or twists. But um, more or less, they will incorporate some meditation in there. It might be might be at the end of a, like an hour of uh, right. stretching and moving. But there are some um, traditions and some practices um, where meditation and uh, uh, the spiritual and um, meditative aspect are emphasized primarily. So that the physical part is not necessarily the most important part. Right. And so as, as, I've, as I've done... Um, probably for the last 18 or 19 years teaching yoga and sharing what um, we all learn here in this community, in this yoga community, I've, I've tried to um, emphasize that 
one of the most important things is not to be critical of the, the human body, not to be critical of the body that you were born into or that you inherited or whatever. You want to look at it. And then um, from where the body is at that moment, then you work within that spectrum. So it doesn't mean that you have to be in shape to get to a yoga class first. So, um, but it does, it's, I think it's, um, it's beneficial to know what's out there and when you walk in what to expect to some degree. So most yoga studios around our area, and probably this is common all over the country, you will have at least some descriptive terminology available to you before you get there so that you know if it's a, a, a heavily uh, based in movement or if it's a, a meditative base or stretching and that kind of stuff. I have a friend that went to one last night. Okay. She was to Vermillionville. Yeah. And she went to yoga in French. I've like, been to oh, that class. How hysterical. Avec Aaron Segura. Wait, ça fait comment on peut faire? How can we do yoga in basically Catholic Acadiana in French yeah. at Vermilionville. It's so cool. So it's so cool because yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's a adaptation of something totally Eastern right here. Right. And so Who would ever have thought why not? Exactly. Why not make it um, your own and from your own community and your your own traditions, right? Exactly. So, um, you know, it is about community because we grew up in a community. Your humor about Chiwi on the Facebook is about the community that you grew up in. Okay. And it doesn't matter what religion was practiced. It happened to be one, but the the religion is not the the point the location of the community either doesn't matter you could have had that same community in some place where it's cold mm-hmm. but it was like in louisiana so it's except for this year it's never been that cold before <laughs> right. okay so so the whole deal is to to continue with community because that to me is the most important and so when you talk about community, you're not just talking about, well, we get together and network. You're talking about, you know these people yeah, in your community. So some kind of way we've been able to adapt community as we experienced it growing up to the healing community. Yeah, I, I went to— That's cool, huh? I, I've been to uh, Aaron's class in French. I want to go. And um, <laughs> it's really interesting because if you learn— um, basically a few of those yoga postures and you know a little bit of French, uh, it reinforces your French, you know, as, <laughs> as far as your uh, body parts. And, exactly. Uh, and, and it's very clear and very basic. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy that um, Erin has forged that path, that she's decided to take her experience with the French language and in the music culture and her experience at Vermilionville, and to uh, to use her recently completed yoga training to create something new for the community. So even if you don't speak French, you get the benefit and you are exposed to the language. And, and I think, and as you know, the more you're exposed to, to that language, the more you're going to pick up and the more it's going to reinforce what you used to remember from your grandparents or whatever. And... Um, it's really neat to have uh, those cross-pollinations of disciplines and cultural traditions come together. So 
you know, you have language, you have a physical practice of um, yoga, and you also have the notion that it's all for the benefit of the mind and the body. So, I mean, that, exactly. that kind of brings it full circle to the whole topic of healing in that when we practice our yoga, so basically um, where, where, I, uh, where I teach and practice is at Camellia House, and the name of the yoga element is Little Creek Yoga, and it is a, a community of people who are from all walks of life and all physical abilities and age ranges. In fact, one of our yoga teachers, Sally Abair, is 80 years old plus. And uh, she's um, very experienced at welcoming people and urging them to come to their yoga uh, practice right where they are, and however they feel that day and whatever their physical strengths or abilities or range of motion or flexibilities or whatever. So anyway, if you're capable of walking, if you're capable of standing, typically you should be able to do some of the stuff. So, And, and Sally, for me, she's just John's mother who dances well. Yes, yeah, she's a great dancer. Because I've never seen her. I've never gone to her class, but I know this about her. But to me, she's just John's mama who dances well. Yes. So it's amazing that we can know one part of someone's life, and there's so many other perspectives we don't get. Yes. It's way, it's way cool. And she's... Um, she, she's way there. She's an example of uh, someone who really has a great attitude about life. Exactly. And uh, she celebrates her culture regularly through dance. She's also a really good tennis player. And she's just a, a very kind person and a good person to know. And so she never accepted that at this age, I won't be this anymore. At this, she never accepted that. She just yes, ages yeah. So walked so on through that. There's an example of how subjective that term is. Exactly. I want to have a question for you. How far is where you grew up from home? It's right there. Um, Bay Lafouche is one of the uh, tributaries. As you go from, um, you know, the Atchafalaya River to New Orleans. So basically you have, you know, around that Homa area, you have Bayou Terrebonne, Bayou Pointe-aux-Chiens, so uh, Bayou Delorge. And, Bayou Lafourche. And Bayou Lafourche, yeah. So it's, if, you're, if you're traveling west on Highway 90 towards New Orleans, you would cross over Bayou Lafourche at uh, Raceland Matthews right. area. So instead of crossing over, if you would head south towards Grand Isle, that's Bayou Lafourche. Okay. And our our culture was um, agriculture and uh, oil and gas, of course, but it was closely associated with the Gulf of Mexico. So there's a lot of the um, fishing traditions that were right. were brought over from the Eastern Europeans and all the uh, um, immigrants from New Orleans. Uh, so uh, Grand Isle was Grand Isle was seven miles long. They had a lot of uh, connection to New Orleans from the tourism aspect. Right. And uh, so that influenced our culture a lot. How about, I'm going to say 15 years ago, because I don't know. It was before I was into yoga. And I don't even know what or how I got an invitation. But I went to a yoga studio in Homa. Uh-huh. You know, you don't typically think of Southwest Louisiana as being a place to practice Eastern traditions. Mm-hmm. But I went. and the And the yogi that was there was really big, mm-hmm. and it made me really happy yeah. because unlike John Abair's mother, who is in such yeah. great shape, yeah. he wasn't. 
And and I was real comfortable because I wasn't in great shape myself right, at the time. Right. But he was very powerful. And he came to teach us something as healers because he was like a yogi. I think that's what his title was. Mm-hmm. And he was all dressed in white. And so he was really glad we were there. We were about, I don't know, I'll say 20, 25 people. And we worked with someone else as we learned his his method he gave us, and he said, you know, I had to study, and I had to do this for 20 years before I could practice this with other people. Well, He said, when you leave tonight, you're going to be able to practice this method because, you know, we don't have 20 years, and we need this now. Mm. And so he gave us this particular things I'll share with you when we're over the details that I've been able to incorporate in my own practice. Now, who would ever have thought that Afram Scott would go to Homa and meet this guy that would get an Eastern practice that was so powerful right here in Louisiana? Oh, that's great to hear. I can still be Catholic. Or not that Catholic. I'm not that good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't practice as hard as I call I myself a retired Catholic. I hear you. But understanding that it was just different ways of saying and doing the same thing. Yeah, I um, had the marvelous. same experience as you. You know, and I'm I'm glad to hear that more and more communities have yoga available, and that it's kind of demystified, you know, that people don't feel so separated from the idea of meditating or, right. I mean, cause you, you could use terminology to make it more accessible to people because, uh, and you know, a lot of, a lot of meditation is like prayer. And, and we grew up saying the rosaries and novenas and going to the way of the cross and, you know, but there's also a guy named Basil Pennington who did something in the Catholic church called centering prayer. And it's just basically, you just sit in a chair and go to your own center. Mm-hmm. It's meditative. Yeah. Meditation was always part of Christianity, but kind of in more the monastic. So you can find it in, yes. it, you don't have to choose one or the other. Yeah. And so I think it's important that people become open to um, practicing something that's a little bit out of their comfort zone, maybe at first, but then realizing that it's all up to them to make it. Whatever they wish. So yoga is like that, you know. And, exactly. And I'm, I'm. Uh, you mentioned that that yoga instructor you went to in Homa was bigger. I'm, I'm average bigger than most that you see. Right. You know, and in, in the and the way that that uh, yoga was developed in that area around uh, India, those are Asians. Those are smaller bodied people. Their tendencies um, physically are to be of a smaller frame. They they have more flexibility. And they don't carry as much weight as we do in the West. Right. And in, in the United States, especially after the Depression, uh, people were healthier. They, they, they had more access to, uh, to nutrition. And so we became bigger, you know. And so it's a little bit of a challenge, you know, to do some of the stuff because of that. And especially like me, if you come to yoga um, later in life. Right. And uh, – for men especially, I, I've, I've noticed that it is um, a little intimidating That um, for a couple of reasons. One, that they're not sure what they're getting into and that they would be able to, to, to stretch and move and bend. And uh, a little bit of ego, you know, that they, they, they want to be able to perform. They want to be able to um, be and successful. And they're not as flexible as women, no, mostly. Uh, typically I mean, not. You know. 
And so the, most of the guys that um, I've met in these yoga classes over the years, and I've taught at a few places in Lafayette, a lot of them come to that just through the stretching part as maybe um, a rehabilitation from an injury or um, to enhance, uh, like, for example, if somebody's a tennis player or a golf um uh, enthusiasts to to get better at their technique okay, yeah. to get more range of motion and to um to kind of challenge their body to be um more flexible so a lot of people come to it from the physical part first but then they realize that that physical experience is a means to get to what we're talking about today exactly. is to get to a, a meditative state, which you can do many ways. It doesn't have to be through yoga. It can be through sitting prayer. It could do, it could be through uh, mountain climbing. It could be a, a lot of ways in any of artistic expression. But anyway, it's to get to a state of mind that is quiet and peaceful and to begin to lose, um, the uh, frustrations and attachments and expectations that would be a hindrance to our healing. Right. And maybe it's not expressed in that specific terminology, but I'm learning as I grow older that um, the state of mind is the most important thing in your life. You can have all the money in the world, and a lot of people chase that dream, and, it, and it's important for a lot of people to have security and to provide for their families. But you can ask anybody who's become successful in business and then gets diagnosed with uh, you know, a very life-threatening condition, or you can ask someone who has reached that success but has found that they've lost their family along the way through whatever, relationships are broken. So it's it's important that people realize how important their physical and mental and spiritual health becomes as they get older. You know, a lot of young people don't really see the value in it because they're not stressed out or they don't feel like they're stressed they're still out. Young. And you can do anything when you're young. Your <laughs> exactly. body is is filled with all the hormones and you know you you rebuild tissue so quickly. It's amazing how you can, you know, study and party all night and get up and do it the next day. And, and we're here on a campus, and I see it all the time, you know, a couple of cups <laughs> of coffee, and they're ready to go for the day, and, and their energy level is astounding. And as we grow older, however, the body does not have available to it the building blocks for healing that it had before, so we have to kind of back up and say, well, what am I doing stress-wise, nutrition-wise? And so... Yeah. To reduce the stress, number one, to take away that edge, that frustration, that anxiety, that fear, that regret that we all seem to accumulate as we grow older, mm -hmm. and to bring the body into a state that is open to be to heal itself. Exactly. And I'm not a doctor, and I'm sure that um, there are many people who would... Uh, who would, who would like to get into a discussion about the body's ability to heal itself. But as I grow older, I learned that there is a lot available to every individual in their nutrition and in their environment, in their lifestyle that contributes to the body's ability to heal rather than turning to pharmaceuticals. Well, there's some doctors that do yoga. 
Yeah, and I met a lot of them. I mean, you know, like we have these <laughs> we have these perceptions of people, and they're just not like that, right? My my oncologist had a nutritionist that worked through his office. Well, they're not they're not totally in the dark about all of this, but if their training doesn't come from the body mind spirit connection, and you and you have medicine and treatments and surgery to offer, it doesn't mean that. They, they don't understand what we do. Right. And it doesn't mean that we don't need what medicine Absolutely. offers. I mean, hell I think no. it's important to say that, too, that well, it is. anybody who has a, you know, a pretty good grasp of the physiology of the human body acknowledges the value of someone who's going through that extensive amount of training and practice and, at times, the absolute necessity for some of the drugs exactly. that have been developed. We're always teaching each other. I just think that's exciting when when you can understand that. Um, my first oncologist retired. Ooh, he's retarded. I'm still here. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, he he we we respected each other, and he knew that I did this work. So one time I was in his office, and he 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 went down on his knees in pain. Right, so I'm in my little gown on the table, waiting him for him to come and examine me. So, make sure my gown was knotted well; it wouldn't. And I went and I laid hands on him, and then the nurses came in and put him in a, a chair, an office chair. You know, he was having issues with whatever was his issue at the time. So he had experience of my work with him mm. and his time in need. And and we had mutual respect the whole time, and so there are some people in in the, in this vibrational medicine who think doctors don't understand. Well, no, we can all understand everything, and we can use it all. Yeah, I mean, doctors have been very successful in their methodology so far. I mean, there's probably a, a small percentage of patients that they've been unsuccessful in helping. And so, um, you know, I think it's important to make yourself available or make available to yourself oh, exactly. all healing traditions and to come to it with a, a respectful attitude, just as the doctor did for you. Because we don't know the other side of them. We don't know where they live in their spirituality. We don't know if they do yoga or not. We don't know what they eat. We don't know if they take a flu shot or not. Right, yeah. You know, so we, we go to them for what they have, and we offer what we have, and, and, and it's about acceptance in that way, too. Do you find when um, people get to you for um, your help in healing that they've gone through a lot of other avenues first, and this is more or less their last hope? Sometimes, yes, and sometimes it's at the beginning. And I try to tell them, that, you know, I can't do for you what the doctors necessarily couldn't do for you. Because most of us don't even listen to the doctors. They come to me because they don't want to do what the doctor says. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, okay, we'll see how this will go. Mm. Or they come to me because they did everything, it didn't work, and they think I can do what nobody else could do. Right, right. Or they come to me wanting a fix. Right. The doctor couldn't fix me. You can fix me. I believe in God. Fix me. And and they don't understand that God is a participatory sport, just like medicine is participatory. You can't just go to someone and let them do that to you. Hmm. 
that we have to engage. You know, if you go to a doctor and you think he's a quack, and there are some, there are some healers who are quacks and egotistical. So if you go to someone without faith in them, it doesn't mean that your faith is affecting necessarily the outcome, but your faith affects the participation. Right. If I believe you're a quack and nothing you do can help me, well, hello, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to bring it into my heart. I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to, I'm going to take the 10 days of antibiotics for five because I feel better and I'm going to throw the rest away. Then I'm going to get sick and blame you. So I think that in 2018, we all understand that we have a responsibility that we go to anybody for help, whether it be a treater or a physician, a nutritionist or a yoga instructor. And then, and we have to put all that together. I think what is going to save us is our creativity. Because only when you are creative that you can put all these pieces together and make your healing your own, your journey your own. Your your service your own. Do you does that um, make sense? Yeah. Do you visit with people about that before their healing session? Do you talk about those things? No. You just go right. They're to not going to listen. Mm. You know, they're coming and they want something. They're going to either get it or they won't, and then they finished or they come back. And in my own, how I, I didn't start doing healing work till I had cancer. Okay, so this wasn't something I thought a hell of a lot about. This was after you were uh, completed with your treatment and no, cancer-free? in the middle of it. In the middle of it. Okay, you can laugh. I think it's kind of funny. I was at Lourdes. I had had surgery. I had a modified right radical mastectomy. And Sister Hilda Mallette comes in. Like, she was a new nun, and she was pastoral scare, care. Pastoral scare. <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> I bet. And she looks sure. at me. She says, I think you should look into healing work. Hmm. Oh, I thought she was crazy. Like, you know, like look into healing work. I just don't want to die, lady. I don't want to become a healer or anything, but, you know, okay. At the time, she was practicing Reiki. So... I thought about, well, Grupap was a treteur. I guess if he can do that, I can do whatever she's talking about. So I trusted her because we were both from the same culture. Why not? I took Reiki. I started doing that. Would, uh, um, when Isn't that you, weird? W- w- there's a couple of things I want to ask you about about that. <laughs> um, we just did a, a role exchange. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, but I'm curious because this has come up in some other discussions F- with regard to people who are healers. Uh-huh. Um, what what aspect of that is related to energy? What, in it's in all your energy? viewpoint, and moving energy and freeing energy. It's and- all energy. But what is Reiki? They say Reiki is universal life force. What is universal life force? Is love? You know, isn't love what motivates the energy? Don't you just have to kind of care? So you you can't, you, you, my perception of God and how that was taught to me when I was five is a perception and it brings with it some mystery. Mm-hmm. Now, 
if I was smart, I'm not saying I'm stupid, but if I was smart, like a quantum physicist, and I could explain vibrational medicine to you, it would not erase the mystery of God. It's it's like, it's like, one of my children I think should have been a weather woman, because I'm like, oh Marie, look at the clouds how they're pretty. And when she starts describing their cumulus or cirrus, mm-hmm. or I get so aggravated, right? It's like, oh, you can't just see it. I mean, I don't have this. You can't just see it's pretty. Like, okay. Right. So sometimes when we have this mysterious belief, this sacred truth, and somebody wants to describe the same thing as scientific, mm-hmm. then we get resentful. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So, so I don't have an issue with yeah. either. Is that what you were yeah, asking? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to um, – uh, and my secondary question with regard to that is um, with re- regard to healers who bring to that healing experience the ability to move or free energy or sh- share or manipulate energy for the body to heal itself or for healing to take place, what about – the place that you are physically. So let's say you are not suffering, but going I was through. Sick when I started doing yeah, this. going That's through some, some sickness, some ailment. How is it that you feel that you have the ability to heal in that state? Because it's not me that heals. Hello, you know, like I, I am a vessel. I am a hollow bone. I call it in. And whether I call it in using some Buddhist way or Catholic words or I ask the universal life force, which was Buddhist and came from Sanskrit, or I just, I just, I just spray myself with rose water to get to the highest vibrational level I can. How you separate that? But you don't feel limited with regard to any physical ailment that you're having of that at no, that no, time. No, no, no. God works through me. So it doesn't matter, really, if you're feeling great or if you're having a lousy That's day. That's me, but then nobody told me that, so I didn't learn that. Yes, so nobody said, look, don't heal when you feel bad. So don't I'll, heal when your energy <laughs> is low. You see, I had I had this diagnosis, and I started doing Reiki, and I started doing it with other people to help them. Well, If I get what I give, how can it hurt me to help you? I, I, that was my... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I you don't wait till you you don't wait till you're sin free to start praying right. for other people. I hear you. That's Lord a great, day. great way, great example. I can relate in that. Um, <laughs> you know, when you when you like any exercise uh, instructor or anyone who has to show up regularly for a class of some sort, and like aerobic instructors, yoga instructors, whatever you want to um, do. You got to be there at that time, and you got to bring yourself to that experience the best and way you not can. Always bright-eyed and bushy right. tail, huh? And I can I can say <laughs> almost to every particular time when I've come and showed up, if if I wasn't feeling well, if I was at the beginning of a sickness or coming out of it, and I, I really don't get sick that much, but I have to say that just being in that environment and bringing bring myself to um, that meditative state with everybody in the room that I feel better almost immediately. And uh, it's, it's, it's a learning process for me because um, I don't get sick too much. 
So I don't have a lot of anecdotal evidence to point to, yeah, but I do occasionally get physical ailments like a sprained knee or a bad ankle or something like that from doing whatever, sometimes yoga. And I've noticed that um, movement and that state of mind where you put yourself in sort of a vulnerable state of acceptance and receiving, I guess you could describe it, without getting too technical or esoterical about it. And those words, okay, go ahead. Just being in that state, I think, has helped me. And I don't know if you could break it down to a physiological analysis and say, uh, because your stress is gone, now your body can circulate energy, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I don't want to get but that I smart. But I feel better, and that's good enough. Yeah. Do you want to get that smart? Not really. No. 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 Not really. Then that what smart. we're doing is we're taking the mysterious out of what we do and explaining it so that it becomes this, then that, and this, then that. Well, listen, we didn't get sick because one thing was wrong. There was a lot of things wrong. We're not going to get well because we do one thing right either. So I don't. They anybody that wants to study how this works can study. Mm-hmm. I just want to do it. Me. Right. Okay. So what I do tell my people when they come to me is, my job is to surrender and allow mm-hmm. that you get what you need. So get my own self out of the way. Put my stuff aside, if you would, you know, so that I'm just present, so I can be a vessel of healing, a channel of whatever. Uh, a channel of your peace like St. Francis, whatever whatever faith base you come from has a word for this, right? And then I ask that person to just relax and receive. That's it. You know, so just let your breath be your prayer because even prayer builds walls that we, it doesn't build walls. It makes us have to be separate from because when I first learned Reiki, it's not Catholic, right? So I would do the healing, but not let myself say the Hail Mary or the Our Father, anything I grew up saying, because this was not Catholic. Mm -hmm. Well, hello, if I'm Catholic, what difference does it make what I say? Yeah. So then I did it for some some while, and then I started to realize that I don't have to separate or, or hold back who I was as a person anymore. Okay, so then I started to understand from my own experience that for me, and this is only me, I'm not telling other people to do this, that when you when you comfort a baby and you put them against your chest and you put your hand on the other ear, they shut up mm-hmm. or they feel comfort most of the time. Mm-hmm. Not if they really have pain, but it's a way to really nurture a child. So I then translated that to my clients and so I put my hand over their ears and I say the Hail Mary because the Hail Mary is the way that Christianity understands the divine feminine Mm. it don't have to be Mary it can Mm -hmm. be Kuan Yin Mm -hmm. it can be whoever is but if your mama wasn't nice you're not going to be asking your mama true (laughs) at that moment yeah so then I started to incorporate I also believe that forgiveness is a big part of healing. Mm. You have to forgive why you got yourself in that crack or Mm -hmm. what 
who was driving the car that yeah. broke your knee or whatever. So right. then I started incorporating the act of contrition just to bring forgiveness as I had understood it. So so I, I learned to put the things together. Uh, and another aspect about my healing was when Sister Hilda told me that, and I realized that well, Grapap was a traitor, right? Okay. If he can heal, I guess I can do healing. You have to know that everybody's good enough to do this. I don't do anything anybody else can't do. You don't have to be that good. I'm not that good. I'm not that good at anything. I just... So you think that basically every human being has the ability to share some some healing? Think about think about when people fall and you comp when children fall you comfort them why they feel better because you just love them and you tata them in some way Mm -hmm. and we do that with each other as adults. Touch is missing. But what about like um, the um, the the idea that like in your tradition like in the uh, treters that you would you would be passing that down like generation to generation. Because that's how the culture worked, Mm -hmm. right? And because it's spiritual, it was mysterious. You pass it down, but you don't go to church to pass it. Mm -hmm. It was not a sacrament, and you don't use a sacramental like oil or water necessarily, you know? So... It's a, it's a lineage thing, just like you when you receive Reiki, you receive it from a master. Mm-hmm. So it's lineage. Do you see young people picking this up? Are there people that you come um, across doing this? Well, the thing about it is, yes, what I see, because I'm old, like I am 65, mm-hmm. right? And so what my community looked like when I was 5 or 10, that is no longer there. Nobody's forming. We don't all go to the same church. We used to know where the people sat in church. Okay, right. So that so mm-hmm. what what I see today is because people come to me knowing it's about gifted something in some way, they'll say, "Well, I've been feeling this, or my hands are hot, or mm-hmm. I know this." And so we are having spiritual experiences, but we never knew where to go with them. Mm-hmm. And so as they get their own spiritual experience and they don't know where to go with it, I just I say, well, you're a healer. Why? Because I'm a healer. Mm-hmm. You know, we are everything. But, I, I, you know, your gifts are waking you up. And if anything I do, it's, it's okay to have a gift. Because gifts scare the hell out of people that don't have them. Do you work with people in helping to develop? Well, what I do is I do these things like I do these things called uh, uh, healing arts gatherings, Mm -hmm. and I just let the people come. You know, I don't want to teach people that. Are you kidding me? So the people who come maybe come with the idea and they're open to maybe learning that they do have some gifts of healing to practice. Or maybe they need. And then maybe when it's not so. You know, one of the things I believe in... One of the things I wanted to say is that my ability to practice healing came because I modeled what my grandfather did and what was in my culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I needed this, and I didn't have money, right? I was uh, I was in debt up to my wazoo, and, you know, I was giving the hospital what I could every month. I had gotten people to give blood. 
in those days, if somebody gave a pint of blood, they took $33 off your bill. That's pretty good. You know, so so I was broke beyond broke mm -hmm. and was working with other cancer patients who were as broke as me, or maybe not. I mm -hmm. never knew. And so I never set myself up to have a practice. Mm-hmm. So it's been a part of Camp Bluebird since 1990, and and that's a place where medical people and volunteers and and cancer patients can come together. So it, it was okay for it to be there. So I never did this to earn a living. Mm -hmm. And as I saw how things were set up in my grandfather's day, we lived in community and we bordered. Right. So traitors got paid. But not with a fee. Doctors did the same damn thing in the olden days. If they treated you and you, they gave you whatever you needed, you would give them some something from your garden. You didn't mm -hmm. have necessarily money. A lot of us were sharecroppers, or right, right. So the the whole how the 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 pay for was not there. So I would just give, and if you were a child, I'd say, well, write a poem for somebody or mm -hmm. kind of pay it forward. So the whole healer thing for me was not a way to earn a living. And that's how it is now for you? Yeah. I so mean, people I, feel I'll like accept. they want to offer you something, you'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like, if you don't have $60 or mm -hmm. blah, 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 or I can't use my gifts because I can't earn a living with it. Well, a lot of gifts are going by the wayside mm -hmm. because people know they have it, but then what do they do? I don't know what to tell them. I don't. We all have to come to our own answers. So one time, this friend came to see me, and he was a, uh, he was big and rich and had a big wallet. I said, well, "How much do I owe you for this?" And I look at his wallet; it's like thick. And I said, <laughs> "Well, how much you got in there?" And he's like, "Whoa, I'm not going to give you that." I said, "It doesn't matter." All right. But that makes people real uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's easier to just say it's this much. Oh, it's way easier. And they say, fine, I got that. But then if you say it's that much, would they come? Mm -hmm. And then if you say it's free, then there's some people who won't yeah, come. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I, it's it's just evolved. It's really We deal okay. with that at the yoga studio because um, we are one of the uh, donation-based studios exactly. in Lafayette. So we suggest 10 or $15 if you have it. But uh, if you don't have it, that you could probably do a favor for somebody there or do a little work around the place. But that there is some value there, not to negate the value, you know. I have had three offices like that other people gave me. Okay. Man, let me ask you. If I have an office but I don't charge and I'm not earning, well, I can't contribute to keeping the office open. Right. <laughs> yeah. It costs money to pay bills. Yeah. So – I never had to have money to open an office, and I had three of them, and it wasn't how I was supposed to be because for me, I did this work at Festival International. I've done this at Bob's Pub. I do it during Downtown Alive. I do it when I when. So it's it's not office work for me. So I don't fit in an office anyway. Mm -hmm. But I understand that what I have is recognized. And that in three separate times, people have given me an office. It's okay that I'm not a failure because I don't have a business, because I do in my own way. So at 60, 
this this time that I'm 65 and all my friends are retiring, I'm just starting. Yeah, you got to have a reason to get up in the morning, right? You know, so Sometimes like, retirement doesn't really pan out. So I, I can do things in a creative way and I can do a, a podcast and I can do do CDs and I don't know how I'm going to earn a living, but I'm but I'm going to earn a living and it's about healing, but it's not necessarily have this number of people this many times a week in your office. Mm-hmm. And and so now I'm doing this public kind of work. If I could ever get paid to talk, I'd probably be rich. Well, you never know. It so, might happen. So, you know, so it's it's like you you can't take something that is mysterious and break it down and say that's how it's going to be. So, I don't know. Cool. And then where do you go to accept healing? Like you're looking at me like I'm well. Well, some people will never think I'm well. How do? Where do we go for people to support us after we're not sick anymore? Mm. Do healers really believe that they can mm. do this? That's a whole other. Uh, you know, if you have had grief, can you ever get over your grief? If you've had cancer, can you get over cancer? Or it's just... It's in remission, but it's going to, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you've had mental illness, can I, if I tell you I'm not mentally ill anymore, what would you say? Oh, I'd die answer. I would say good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but some people won't ever buy that. So there's also something now we have to start owning we believe in what we do. Yeah. I'm not bragging about all well, this. I, I'm friends with all my doctors. I see a psychiatrist, but... It's not about bragging, but it's about get, accept. Uh, it's I another understand. acceptance yes. thing. Am I well? Do I scare you? No, I understand that it's important to um, articulate the value of healing and uh, to uh, to stand on that tradition as valuable and to offer it as much as you can yeah. and, and to let it be an offering exactly and it's up to any individual to accept that gift right 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 so thank you i want to thank you for coming and being on the um, Le Le podcast yeah absolutely it's all and about the you, gifts you turn me on to it i'm gonna have to go listen to all the go past, see it's interesting past episodes and then we'll have to see what we said because we forget oh i won't listen to it's it. done i won't listen to this one <laughs> thank you james okay Thank you for listening to Le Cadeau Podcast. I'm your host, Becca Begno. Matt Roberts produced the show. Thanks to AOC Community Media for the use of their facilities. For information about AOC, you can visit aocinc.org. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. The views and opinions expressed on this or any program on the AOC Podcast Network do not reflect the views and opinions of Lafayette Consolidated Government, Cox Communications, LUS Fiber, AOC Community Media, its board of directors, or its staff. To learn more about becoming a community media producer, visit us on the web at aocinc.org.